Hello, this is Bruin Willow, and you are listening to the Oh Fuck Yeah with Bruin Willow podcast. I'm excited you're here on this Black Friday. It is Black Friday, and I have a sale on my book, 99 cents. Skinny dipping at the pond on the hot summer day. That is to celebrate Black Friday, 99 cents for the ebook and to celebrate the fact that the audiobook is about to release. I talk about sex on my podcast. Oh yeah, things related to sex, sexuality, and erotica. Things to celebrate your fantasy life. Things to enjoy, explore, and expand your sexuality. So if you're under 18, baby, it is time to leave the podcast now because this is not for you. This is for adults only. Today, I have an amazing, intriguing special guest. He is a queer Latino screenwriter, director, and professionally produced playwright originally from Atlanta, Georgia. His name is Ian Trutt, and he holds an MFA in screenwriting. And his first cinematic project, Cam Girl is slotted to premiere soon, he told me, probably around Valentine's Day of 2023. And so we talk all about his creation of Cam Girl and what it was like and getting his actors and producing this show that will be going live. It's so, it was so interesting to me to talk with him. I hope you enjoy it. His other background is that he's done theater and he's done directing, playwriting. It's very, very intriguing. So you can find out more about him at iantrutt.com. I will put the link down in the podcast notes. That's I-A-N-T-R-U-T-T. And he also does boudoir photography, which you can find him on Instagram. To see some of his samples. And I am just so excited to share this with you. It's so interesting to talk to another writer who writes in a different way than I do. He writes plays, a playwright, and we talked about the differences between writing a novel and writing a play and creating and writing for a show, for video, for film. So it's very, very interesting to me to talk to another creator that creates in a different realm that I have never ventured into, but I find it very interesting. When I was very young, I I wanted to be a, a movie director. That was something that was a big dream of mine, in addition to wanting to be a writer. So it's very intriguing for me to listen to someone and chat with him who actually has done this and has the skills and the know-how and has actually done it. So we talk all about that, and we also talk about the juicy stuff, sex, kink, exploration of sexuality, and even the ups and downs of being in the kink community, good things and bad things that can happen because he's got experience doing that, which was also very helpful in him creating Cam Girl. So check it out. Okay. It's amazing. Okay. Are you ready? Okay. Let's go. Hello, everyone. I am so excited. I am so pumped to talk to this guest. You are going to love it. He is amazing. And what he is doing, he's releasing this. Oh, well, I'm going to keep it a secret for a moment. <laughs> but his name is Ian Trutt, and he is a screenwriter, director, and professionally produced playwright. And he specializes in dark commentaries and social commentary. And he's a writer and creator of the upcoming web series, Cam Girl. Welcome, Ian. Hello. 
I'm really excited to chat with you. I am so curious about this show. And it's a web series, Cam Girl. So it's going to appear on the internet. Is that correct? Yes. The exact location has yet to be determined. (laughs) I gotcha. (laughs) So tell me about it. So Cam Girl is something that we wanted to explore because you see a lot of media about sex work. And usually it's either something that's portrayed as very glamorous, you know, these OnlyFans models who make, you know, millions of dollars a month, or it's seen as this very dangerous endeavor and everyone involved is, you know, part of trafficking and there's, you know, all sorts of horrible things that happen. And the truth is, is that, especially with online sex work that we're focusing on, the truth of it is that somewhere kind of in the middle, you know, there's a lot of just uh, normalcy to it. And there's a lot of mundane things that happen. A lot of Sex work is not glamorous. It's people just sitting at a computer waiting for something to happen. <laughs> right. So, so yeah, so we just really wanted to focus on kind of doing this more of a, a dramedy and having some more lighthearted moments and uh, enjoying the the fact of the, the truth of the matter, which is that it can be dangerous and we showcase some of those dangers. It mm. can be lucrative and we do want to show that as well. But a lot of the time, it's just very banal, and there's just a lot of waiting for something to happen, and there's a lot of people who show up with very specific requests, and they're not always sexual, too. And that's it can be fun and a silly thing, and it's a job like anything else. Right. And so did you write this series yourself, or did you write it with another author? Other writer. I, I wrote it myself. I did some consulting. I've been fortunate enough to know people who are involved in online sex work and basically consulted with them, trying mm-hmm. to make the most cohesive and true to life you know, adaptation of some of their stories. And I, I did have my friend Taylor also collaborated on a couple of the scripts that I asked her to help take a look at that things aren't working. So I've credited her as well. Sure. And and what do you think will surprise people? I mean, I know you've talked a little bit about what people have misconceptions. What do you think will surprise people the most from your show? <laughs> I think you'll <laughs> see a lot of the behind the scenes of how it is. I think mm. there's a there's a fun little shot that we have that shows how someone is faking a certain act and Mm. it's just a fun little cutaway just a a little visual gag but you know you can see how sometimes you know the people doing it are into it and sometimes you know you're not going to be into it and you're going through the motions and there's all kinds of neat little tricks that you can do to fake that too right i mean basically sometimes they're going to be acting right i mean that's just the the facts of life that's just what it is yeah (laughs) Mm, right right and you know but you never know if they're into it or not but it very well could just purely be acting and but so how many of them have you written so we i wrote the first season which ended up being nine episodes it went for a while between being eight or ten ended up being nine and we were set to film april of 2020 obviously Mm, things happened (laughs) (laughs) So we did this whole crowdfunding campaign in March of 2020. We thought everything's going to be good. The next weekend, everything shut down. So we weren't able to raise any funds. We weren't able to do our shooting. So everything postponed. And we shot in April of 2021 following, you know, obviously more rigorous safety procedures, masking and Mm. things like that. But yeah. 
but obviously it was it was rough to have put it all on hold for so long. So this is yeah. a project that really has been going on since you know 2019, and I'm so grateful and thankful for my crew who has stuck by me for, for you know this number of years now as we're in the home stretch. Yeah, that's pretty brutal. I mean, yeah, we just all got thrown into this crazy world, didn't we? And stuff like that is so frustrating. But it's nice to like be getting to a point where you know, you're getting closer to releasing it. Do you have a release date yet? We're looking early 2023. So we are in editing now and we just mm. did a pretty successful crowdfunding campaign again last month. And so mm. everything is on track. We've got rough cuts of all the episodes. So now we'll be cleaning up something, cleaning up some audio, doing some coloring, things like that. And so we're really in the final stretches and to me, I would love to have like a Valentine's Day release date. That's mm. cool. um, the only thing that might push that back is if there's a couple festivals that we're trying to submit to beforehand. So we're going to see how that all mm-hmm. shakes out. But uh, but yes, definitely looking for that. And of course, you know, we'll have, you can definitely keep an eye out for it. You can find Cam Girl on IMDb and, you know, keep an eye out for when that final date will be. But I am hopefully looking at Valentine's Day. Awesome. So in doing this, did you audition actors or did you find friends or how did you go about that process? A little bit of both. I did primarily theater coming up. And so I didn't know a lot of people in film. And so this was a huge endeavor to take on where we were trying to find cast and more importantly, crew that I didn't know anyone. Mm. So <laughs> we we did a combination of people we knew and people who I to audition, especially for the main core cast, the main trio. I did not know any of them prior to this. And I was fortunate enough to just have them respond to casting calls and letting them know what it was about, making sure they knew the full context. You know, obviously there's a lot of like adult content, there's a lot of swearing, like mm. things like that involved. And they were all very gracious and wonderful and, you know, worked for peanuts and were just very incredible. And I, I'm lucky that I'm still able to keep in contact with them. And I couldn't be more thankful for my cast and crew who have just been wonderful, lovely people. What an amazing endeavor. I mean, I just think about doing that, you know, it's just, that's just like, that's like huge. I mean, that's pretty damn cool. And it's just like this huge thing, you know, I just can't even imagine pulling all of that together. I mean, it sounds like a big, big, giant project. Definitely big, definitely exhausting. <laughs> we, uh, you know, if in a different world, if someone were to pick this show up and give us a, a larger budget, we could do it with so much more uh, ease and just relaxing because, you know, part of the crunch was having to do it on a limited amount of time mm, and trying yes. to get all these scenes for nine episodes filmed in a very short amount of time. I think right. we've shot more in, I think, in a total of 10 days, not all back to back. Wow. It yeah. was still an incredible amount of scenes. And, you know, so the runtime of the full show is probably about like feature length, like a feature length movie when you put them all together. And they're, they're not all 20 you know, minutes. They're all more like 10 to 15 each episode. So when you put it all together, it's, it comes out to be about the length of a, a film. So we shot all of that in 10 days, which was obviously a lot on everyone that they powered through. And I think it's really come together, but it was, wow, a lot of work to get here. <laughs> I bet. Now, are you doing the editing too, or do you have someone doing that? A combination. I am 
I passed off a lot of things to some others and we got a lot of things back from them. I kind of did some initial notes on what I wanted to see in each episode while giving them some flexibility with that. So now I've got those rough cuts back to me and I'm taking my pass through and, you know, going through some stuff and there will probably be one more individual who comes through and kind of does some of the more technical elements that I'm not as familiar with. Sure, sure. And then, so is this something that's going to have nudity or is it going to just be, you know, suggestive or do you actually flat out have nudity in it? Uh, It's crazy because thought initially, you know, how do you do a story about this without any nudity? And I, it, <laughs> right. you know, I wanted <laughs> to obviously, you know, as a, an emerging filmmaker and someone who's not, you know, established, I'm like, I, you know, I can't, you know, ask someone to just, you know, take yeah. off their clothes for the scene. You know, like that's, you know, that's so <laughs> right. much for someone, especially without, you know, the full budget. I mm-hmm. probably wouldn't, you know, get undressed for that. So I, <laughs> I worked to make sure that, you know, my actors were comfortable as best I could and, you know, talking with them. And I think we were able to come up with something that worked really well. And we don't really have any explicit nudity. There's a lot of implied shots, mm-hmm. yeah. spray, a couple things that are, you know, kind of hidden, uh, a very brief moment of a sex scene that's kind of, you know, shot from behind her back. So you see some things, but there were no instances in this season, at least, where we couldn't tell the scene with, you know, with the, where we needed the nudity. So that may change in, you know, future episodes. If there's certain things that we tackle that we say, we have to show it this way because how else are you going to tell this moment? But (laughs) for what we had so far, we didn't have anything that needed it. And, Mm. you know, it could have been gratuitous to put it in. So we left it out for now. Right. Right. And so in doing that, did you find it? interesting to work with people that were open to doing this type of thing. I mean, I would imagine that they are very open people to begin with to be seen in a show like this. What was that like? We'll be back after a quick break. This episode is brought to you by the Spring Cleaning Champions, Manscaped. This season, make sure the man in your life grooms his carpets and his drapes with the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Have him clear out that winter bush with Manscaped's Lawnmower 5.0 and watch his confidence bloom like the springtime flowers. Embrace the season and have him join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our special offer. Go to manscaped.com and use code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, for the 20% off and free shipping. Have you ever been doing some oral pleasure and got some hairs in your mouth or your teeth? Well, (laughs) Manscaped can help with that. Try being clean shaven for spring cleaning. After he uses Manscaped, you can say, "Hmm, let's get some busy with some spring fever in the bedroom. Try out Lawn Mower 5.0 Ultra. It is an amazing trimmer that features two interchangeable heads, one for taking a little off the top and the new foil blade to go smooth. If you want to go smooth for spring cleaning, make sure you try out Manscaped products. Bring on those smooth skin sexy slaps in the bedroom. 
And how do you do that? Use Manscaped products to shave clean down in your pubic area. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code RUIN. You have to use my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, all caps at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with code RUIN at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in his pants, right? In your pants if you're a man. (laughs) Spring clean your groin area. Try smooth. Try it with Manscaped. Yeah, I think it was one of those things where we were all kind of nervous and we didn't know what to expect. I, as far mm-hmm. as I know, none of us had ever really worked on something like this in in this sort of capacity. So it was something we were all getting used to together and, you know, fumbling things happen, you know, mistakes are made. And like, you know, the goal was always to make sure everyone was comfortable with each other. And, mm-hmm. you know, we had someone, you know, really focusing on intimacy, making sure that our lead had, you know, a robe available to her and, you know, things like mm-hmm. that and mm-hmm. uh, checking in on things. And, but, you know, it's still, you know, our amateur production. Sometimes, you know, you know, someone calls cut and, you know, it doesn't happen immediately. And you have to say, Hey, robe. <laughs> and uh, Oh, oh, right. Right. You know? And so everyone's doing the best they can and have all been very good sports about it. And I, I think just having that on hand, you know, intimacy, intimacy coordination is such a huge thing in film now, and it mm. should be. Yes, so exactly. I, having someone dedicated to that really does help a lot, even in, you know, our very small budget thing really goes a long way to go through and work that I tried to do, you know, blocking these scenes, you know, fully clothed beforehand with just the actors, taking the time to try and walk through them. It really does help a lot. and. And so I'm very, uh, very happy that we were able to get through a lot of the things that could have been very sensitive scenes and things like that, that the cast was willing to work through them uh, slowly at their own pace. And that we took the time to do that. Sure. So I have to ask, is it more of a comedy or more of a drama? What would you categorize it as? I would say it's definitely more comedy. It's a very much like a slice of life type of thing. It's kind mm-hmm. of more of this quirky comedy where you just find... The funny moments are not necessarily in jokes, but just in like fun and bizarre little moments that occur. And there is some dramatic elements, certainly the overarching plot. You know, we've got some more like the the negative, the downside to it. Obviously, uh, the work that she does and the way that she as a person is going about it does take a toll on some of her relationships, things like that with other people. Mm. So you Mm -hmm. start to see some negative things that happen too, but for the most part, we are not taking this down a very a dark hole, you know, like we never want to go out and put, you know, the most graphic and, you know, disturbing content out there. That's not the the end goal. And it's not to show anything in the far end of the spectrum. It's to to show that most of what you see, most of the people doing this live in this middle zone. Right, right. So what's your goal for this show? Like, where would you like it to end up? And what would you like it its future to be? Well, I'm a sellout. So, you know, I'm happy for it to go to whoever <laughs> the highest bidder. No, but uh, I, I, think, I think that the end goal is really to get it in front of eyes and, you know, whoever is willing to do that. If, you know, if Netflix, you know, 
obviously this is, you know, big talk, but if Netflix were to approach me tomorrow and say, you know, we give you this amount of money, but it's not going to get any promotion. It's just going to sit in our catalogs. I don't want that. The mm-hmm. idea is for people to see it. So, you know, sure. if someone, you know, is interested in the distribution and the goal ends up being that more eyes are on it, I, I'm happy to, you know, take less to get it in front of the people who need to see it because awareness is a huge part of this is changing perceptions. And there's so many, you know, jokes and digs at people who do this sort of work and, you know, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know, she's a 10, but she's got an OnlyFans. It's like, okay, she's still a 10, you know, she's a human right. being who has a job and, you yep. know, people who don't understand what it all entails. Oh, yeah. And there's so much judgment too. You know, I just feel like there's so much judgment around that type of work. And, you know, some people are just really cruel and demeaning and people that do that type of work. They are. And it's it's unnecessary. And it's a job like anything else. And honestly, mm-hmm. a lot of these people, primarily women who do it, are, you know, probably working hard than a lot of people at their jobs. They, yeah. They're working harder mm-hmm. than I do at my day job. That's for sure. You know, right. you're having to do a social media on the regular. You're creating content. Mm-hmm. You're editing. You've yep. got to know analytics. You've got to really keep on top of these things. You know, money management because you're budgeting the the toys, the costumes, things like that that you're buying versus, you know, what you're taking in. It's it's a lot of stuff to keep yes. track of. And so I don't envy, you know, that kind of level of commitment. And I and really for anyone who does it in the long term and is able to make these huge figures, like you see some of these people are making thousands a month, like they're mm-hmm. they're doing a, quite a bit of work to get that. It's not just, you know, sitting there and waiting for money to roll in. So Right, right. It's a lot more work than people think it is. So when you were creating this, what was your thought process? Did you just want to like, you know, ex, you know, expose people to this or just highlight this type of career? Did you want people to just know about it or enjoy it or just understand it better or did you think it was like entertainment what was your drive yes to all of it i think i (laughs) you know because i knew people who did it and and i was seeing you know this sort of negativity online you know just the same dude bro shitty comments and you know i was just kind of tired of seeing it and this was also around the time both sista and fosta were being passed in congress which Mm. we don't know anyone up these were Bills that were allegedly to, designed to help with sex trafficking, but a large part of what they did was actually make things more dangerous for sex workers. It took away a lot of the forums on which that they were able to communicate and to warn people about blacklisted clients, things like that. Mm, uh, so a geez. lot of their safety resources were taken away. And it's also responsible for Craigslist personals going away. So if you were using mm. that, sorry about that, because uh, they're responsible yeah. for that too. <laughs> Wow. And, you know, so there's a lot of things between government and corporate that like are reasons that people uh, become less safe and demonetized and things like that, which is a huge thing that was happening when OnlyFans uh, very briefly thought they were going mm-hmm. to get rid of all sex workers. And, oh my gosh, uh, you know, know, which was a huge mistake, obviously, because, you know, this is the demographic who put you on the map as a company. And yes. more, <laughs> more so. You know, a lot of these things were like credit card companies don't like sex work and they right. reject and, you know, bounce things that are, you know, that look like they could be flagged under that square. I know is a big one. Yeah. Um, so it is, it's understandable that a corporate 
corporation wants to, you know, be careful about not, you know, being able to take payments, but, you know, also disavowing your entire user base is yeah. probably not the way to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. I know. I didn't know a lot of this stuff until my friend who actually runs her own porn company. She's an amateur amateur porn star and she just does everything herself. And her name is Leilani Lay. And I had no idea of this stuff going on and that you know, credit card companies would say, you know, I'm not going, we're not going to process for you. And I just, I didn't even know that was going on. And what a crazy thing. Like people want to buy this stuff and they're taking away, you know, ways for people to pay. It's crazy. It's insane. And it's, you know, OnlyFans has over one and a half million content creators right now as of 22. So it's, you know, that's, you know, one and a half million people that you're saying, right. well, your business isn't actually worth it, you know? So it's <laughs> right. It's just crazy to think about. But I mean, this is not the first or last time a corporation will do something that just sounds completely insane as a maneuver. <laughs> oh, exactly. Oh, exactly. And, you know, myself as an erotica author, I deal with like, you know, Amazon will sell the books and audiobooks, but you can't ever buy ads to advertise them. It's just, it's ridiculous that they block out a whole genre. And there people are buying this stuff constantly. And it's so lame because Amazon can funnel this stuff to people either who already buy it or by age, but yet they won't do it. But yet they'll sell it. It's just like hypocrit- hypocritical. Yeah, and I think people just miss like how big of an industry it is. And one of the first yes. lines of the show is part of the voiceover where the main character is looking things up. And it's this fact about how webcam modeling has earned like over $2 billion a year. And like yeah. the last figure I could find on this was like in 2016. So you know that number has jumped like through the pandemic. Oh, yeah. So, you know, yes. at minimum $2 billion a year. Like Wow. That's crazy. And they're saying they don't want to process this money. Are they crazy? Unbelievable. <laughs> money. Yeah, they're losing free money. <laughs> right. And people want this stuff. It's not like it's not being purchased. You know, I mean, there are, there's a market for it. I mean, that's what's crazy. Right. I interviewed yeah, a man. It really is. I interviewed a man who's basically written about sex his entire life. He's a, so, what was he? A, psychologist counselor that's what he was and he you know he's in his 70s and he's been writing for like years and years about sex and he said to me you know people don't realize that over half the sites on the internet are somehow related to porn or sex work and mm-hmm. that is a giant number giant yeah. this is not <laughs> a small thing this is not something that people don't want and so it's just like this hidden thing that they're trying to hide yet the reality of it is just ginormous it's insane. I I found a little factoid the other day that like threw me for a loop that said like it's estimated a new pornographic film is made every 39 minutes. So there's no shortage <laughs> of this content. Like there's no, no shortage of it. <laughs> no, it's so crazy. It's so and, crazy that it gets squished. Yeah, and yet it's still treated as this, you know, like, you know, these people are treated like pariahs and you know, they're, you know, yeah. lesser than other people. Like I would much rather hang out with a sex worker any day of the week than some Goldman Sachs asshole, you know? Like I don't want right. to be around those people. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, you know, I know for there's a process for like submitting books to publishers. Is there actually a process where you can submit your show? to different, you know, venues or distributors? Is there like a process for that? Or do you just have to like cold, you know, what's the word? 
like, a blank. Like, like a cold query, like a cold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, it's kind of a, there's a lot of technicalities to get in there. And like anything else, they make it as difficult as possible for people to do. But, um, <laughs> of course. Some companies, some companies are more open than others. Amazon is pretty open to, hey, if you want your thing on our platform, you apply for it. We, mm. you know, check that it's okay. And you're on the platform and, you know, nice. people can, you know, get it in there. So, so there's always mm-hmm. that and very likely route for us. If we want to avoid a lot of the things and have it available on a major streamer, there's a yeah. good chance that we will end up on somewhere like Amazon Prime, where you know a lot of people have access to it already. It's easy for them yes. to pull up and watch. Um, right. There are also a number of other ways to go through some of the other streamers who are not as open, whereas you know maybe Netflix or Hulu or something. You're working mm-hmm. with an aggregator who basically is this other entity that you know you know say Netflix works with on the regular. And the aggregator says, here's a thing. I've made it, I've packaged this, this product in a way that you can use. And then they look through it and, you know, approve it or not. So it's, it's a very weird and technical and complicated process for something that, you know, obviously should be pretty straightforward. And there's also, of course, you know, things like Vimeo and YouTube that are still free platforms and Mm, are still highly successful. We mm-hmm. see most recently it comes to mind is Vivzy uh, Pop creating Hell of a Boss and the Husband Hotel animated mm-hmm. shows, which have blown up on YouTube as, you know, just free properties. Right. So, you know, success is still available there as well to people. So it, it kind of just depends on what route you want to go, the expenses of it, and how generous, you know, the big powers that be at the streaming services are that day. <laughs> Right. Right. I mean, imagine it's just got to be a lot of promotion. And but, you know, you do hear of such things happening where someone has something that, you know, blows up on social media or YouTube, and that's their path to being, you know, taken up or acquired. And that's encouraging for sure to hear. Yeah, you never know what what it is that's going to hit. Sometimes people they have, you know, one TikTok that blows up big enough and they're like, hey, yeah. while you're at it, check out my song. And, you know, the next thing you know, right. you put out an EP, you know, like, so mm-hmm. you never know what it is that's going to take off and you just kind of got to feel it out and hope that something does click. Right. And you have to be careful to not get kicked off the platform, you know, with your, <laughs> yeah. with your content. I mean, my story is I am on my fourth attempt of trying to stay on YouTube. This is my fourth, <laughs> fourth right? And my first one, I was on there for a year and a half. Totally fine. Totally fine. And all of a sudden, they kick me off and I lose it all. Just like, how how can that be? And it's like, I couldn't even like fight for it or anything. It was just gone. Like, how can they do that? (laughs) I had like 50,000 listens. I'm like, oh my gosh, you just, that just kills me. This is my fourth try. And I'm being very, very careful this time because I've figured out the things that have triggered me getting kicked off. So I'm being very, very careful this time so (laughs) I can stick. (laughs) Yeah, I found out very quickly that most social media doesn't like the words cam girl when you're trying to advertise things, which makes it really hard to get the word out for a show. Right. (laughs) That some idiot me titled cam girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, these are things you don't always think about, you know, it's like, it's like you see on Instagram, all these people who are like actually sex coaches and therapists and stuff. They have to use like S3X, you know, like Mm -hmm. they can't even say the word sex anymore. And 
One of the things that actually, the last time I got kicked off, it was because I linked, I had a, a guest on my show and she is a sex coach and therapist. She's a therapist. And I linked to her website and YouTube didn't like that. So they kicked me oh off. They didn't even give me the three warnings that time. They just kicked me right off. I'm like, she's a therapist. She has a degree. Come on, people. <laughs> it's just so frustrating. That's crazy. I know it is. I'm like... <laughs> Yeah, she's she's got a degree. She's a therapist. Hello. It <laughs> drives me crazy. <laughs> what do you do? That's it's the world we live in, right? Yeah, that's one of those things. And no wonder it's so hard for people to be safe and educated about these sorts of things because at every yeah. turn, you know, they're blocking these sorts of things and you don't have access to resources, you know, either, mm-hmm. you know, through social media or through obviously through schools, you know, nobody's getting mm-hmm proper sex education you know so all this information (laughs) of course of course it's dangerous right now because the resources to help protect people and educate them are just being blacklisted and hidden away yeah 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 and the sex ed is just absolutely crazy i was talking to an author recently and she was telling me how she went she went to the doctor's office right and they had this diagram of a woman's body and it was just like one of those like slices it was like a piece it didn't even have a clit on it she's (laughs) like it wasn't even there like it doesn't exist. And she was like, I was just like appalled. I'm like, what are you just like leaving body parts out now? Or organs don't exist? What the fuck? You know, <laughs> just like seriously. <laughs> like, Insanity. oh my gosh. It just drives me crazy. <laughs> and a word from the sponsor for this podcast episode an erotic author who is releasing Amateur Night by D.E. Love. It's hot as fuck. Amateur night. Regina didn't plan on taking her top off when she danced on amateur night, but when Mr. Dark Eyes laid out $20 bills on the stage, she was tempted. She didn't need the money. As a high-end sex therapist in L.A., she made a very decent living. She just enjoyed dancing. It exhilarated her. She felt free. When she danced in front of Mr. Dark Eyes, he calmly commanded her to take her top off, and she did. When he asked her for a private lap dance in the cherry pit, she was tempted, again not for the money, but because he was handsome, dressed well, and his dark eyes made her melt. Plus, when he slipped those $20 bills inside her panties and kept her bra, She had to give in to his command. What could possibly go wrong? When he and his lawyer showed up on Monday morning in her office, she soon found out. You'll love this billionaire age gap romantic suspense because of the steamy scenes, female villain, and escalating suspense. Get it now. Amateur Night by D.E. Love. Okay, so tell me the difference. See, I, I'm, you know, I write, I'm an author, and I write short stories and novels. What is the difference between writing a screenplay and a novel? And, and have, maybe you haven't written novels, but what do you see as the differences? Well, the difference is I can't write one of them. It's just to say I am <laughs> awful at prose. Uh, um, I, I am dabbling and hopefully might be putting out some steamy things under a pen name and prose mm, okay. soon, but we'll... Mm-hmm. Uh, We'll see. But the main thing is obviously visuals are your friend for for something like screenwriting. So 
it mm. also it inherently kind of changes the way that you view things. Whereas, especially amongst women, like you see, like the statistics, like there's a very high percentage of women who are reading, you know, more like erotica and things like that versus, mm-hmm. you know, yep. visual stimulation. So your audience, right. you know, could change very easily just by, you know, the format that you're publishing your mm-hmm. stories, which mm-hmm. isn't to say that, you know, women don't, you know, go out and watch, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey or, you know, something better than that. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, definitely, it's definitely something that you have to consider is that the way that we process information and the things that we find arousing and appealing are different based on visual, written, audio, obviously, is another huge component. So mm-hmm. you have to write with that in mind if you're going, especially for the smuttier route, if you know if that's the, the end goal for it. But overall, what you're doing as a screenwriter is trying to take written word, you know, if you're, especially if you're adapting something and trying to find those visual elements. So for me, that's a thing that I've struggled with coming from theater where dialogue is the key, you know, character and dialogue mm-hmm. is the key and you come mm-hmm. to film and it's it's also a different media, even from that, where now you're having to think, okay, I could have told that story with a monologue. Can I do that with two shots that show this and then this, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so there's a lot of dancing around it and it's, it's easier to certainly go from one of these things to another if you have experience in any of them, but there's a learning yeah. curve for any sort of different format, whether it's through, you know, stage play, screenplay, prose, any sort of thing like that. Like you will have a learning curve as you t- kind of just figure out the minutia of what makes that format the best way to tell your story. I hadn't thought about that. I mean, you know, you look at a stage and, you you know, you can see everything on the stage at all times, but you go to film and you can zoom in, you can do different angles. And I hadn't really thought about that being the driver for making it, you know, a different content. And it makes sense hearing you talk about it. I just never thought about it before. It's interesting. Yeah, it's different too. I'm not usually a performer, but I, I do act sometimes. And I, I have a smaller role in the Camp Girl web show as well. Oh, okay, nice. But I remember taking a class once that was acting for film versus, you know, a lot of classes that you take in college are going to be focused on theater. So Mm -hmm. it was really interesting to see how you're acting, not with your full body as much as, you know, for someone who's way, way in the back seats of, you know, a Broadway house versus Mm -hmm. uh, versus for the camera that is, you know, six inches from your face. You're You're right. Picking up everything very differently. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. so again, you don't necessarily need the loudness or the breath of like your body to, you know, explore something Mm. when something very small, a twitch at the corner of your lips or something can tell the same thing. So, so that goes for not just writers, but for actors and anyone involved in these sorts of different genres and formats, you know, it's not just for, for writing. So anyone who is performer creator will definitely see those sorts of learning curves as well. Right. That's so interesting. I hadn't thought of that before, but it makes sense. I mean, you know, people in a, theater aren't going to see a lip twitch you know <laughs> like it's just right. not gonna happen. <laughs> but on film for sure it will yeah the closest I've ever gotten to acting is I, I do audiobooks which is really fun for me but that's totally different too I mean you're you're in a you know you're in a sound room you're not being seen by anyone you're having to create this stuff right out you know just out there and you have to create the story with just your voice only Right. And that's a whole other method of performance. It's what do you do with your voice or, you know, when you're just sitting in the studio, do you have things, you know, that, you know, help you slide into those characters as like a DM for D&D, to clarify, 
different kind of dungeon master, but uh, for D&D, mm-hmm. uh, you know, one thing that I do is I'm creating different voices by, I have little tells, you know, for my character. So maybe I adjust my body to hold myself a certain way, mm. uh, doing a certain thing with my hands, and that lets me slip into the character. So if I'm sure, reading sure. a book aloud or if I'm doing that or something, you know, it's a way that I can put it in my body to then express the Mm -hmm. character so when you're doing something like you know like you're saying that's all voice you have to you know obviously change little details of your body to tell the story you know how are you reading this one line how are you narrating it are you reading it straight or is the narrator its own character so yeah you definitely have your own set of challenges for sure doing something like that that's true (laughs) that's so true and and I'll often like do several takes of a line and it's amazing how differently you can say a line Mm -hmm. how many different ways there are to say a line it's it's almost mind-blowing I'll do like you know several lines and I'll be like gosh shit I can't even pick one I love them all or I hate them all (laughs) or you know it's just tells like a different just tells a different story based on which sentence you choose and I've had a few things where I've had people record and, you know, I've, I've combined voices and, oh, that's a big challenge. But, you know, <laughs> it's like I always need them to do more than one take of the line because you just do. You need it. Right. It doesn't work if they don't do that. <laughs> you need it. Probably the same thing. Maybe it's the same thing with film. I don't know. Yeah, I think that is a similar thing where, yeah, you just want to capture something else. Even if what you had was good, you still want Mm -hmm. to capture something else because you don't know what's going to come out on that next take you know whether it's audio or video like that like if you Mm -hmm. capture it one more time you might get something completely different that works as just as well or better and you have no idea unless you do it yeah exactly so what's one piece that you love from cam girl that would be like a teaser to tell us to make us want to like watch it and see what it's all about can you think of something that would work for that (laughs) So I think one thing that we really enjoyed finding in production process is I'm very hands-off in letting my actors kind of go free because Mm -hmm. I've written the words, I know what's essential and, you know, to rein them back if I like, okay, like that's great, but I really need you to hit this line that's important. But Mm -hmm. one thing that we really enjoyed exploring was these moments of improv and we had written into the scene is just a montage at the beginning. And it just says Mm. she tries on different clothes. That's all Mm. I knew. I knew costumes would, you know, have some stuff. My partner was costumes. I knew she would come up with some great things that we could work with. And Mm -hmm. I knew our lead actor that Sam could come up with something crazy. So we basically just did it and (laughs) just had her go through different outfits and she would improvise the most insane and hilarious lines that none of it that scene is written down but Mm. it's all just just things on the spot and us trying not to laugh so in editing (laughs) that was one of those moments that I knew I was like no one else touched this I want to do want to do that myself like I know exactly how that looks now having just watched her do it so there's there's an incredible amount of fun little moments like that and we we do love our montages here and we have some fun things so I I'm curious if people will know what's improvised and what's not right um, just some of the things you'll see are things that were not in the script and some of the funniest moments are things that we just did on the spot that's very cool i think that's a really cool thing and i think that's great i mean that's actually that's a fun thing to advertise too to be like some of this is just you know improv it's just on the spot you know i mean that's that's a that'd be a good thing to highlight and talk about when you promote it you know (laughs) yeah like these are things that we're just doing on the fly there's you know 
it has the things that you want. It has funny moments. It has like sexy moments. Like, you know, obviously mm-hmm. like you can't do it without that. Like there's an appeal there. Yeah. <laughs> the outfits are so cool, like objectively just yeah. so cool because, you know, we, we're telling a story over time and you see these characters, not just, you know, the main actresses, but the, the others, you know, like your outfits change over time. So you'll see, you know, character development through those. And, you know, by the time, especially the lead gets to the last episode, it's one of those outfits that you're like, fuck yeah, get it. Uh, so it's, <laughs> nice. It's a fun way to track things. And so I, I hope it is appealing to everyone, both visually and in the humor and in the story at large. Uh, that's very cool. So tell me about your background that brought you to this point, that brought you to be able to have all these skills to do this. I came up through theater, through high school and then college. I knew that I wanted to be a playwright. And so I began writing much more extensively through college, through student theater. We did, I did an adaptation of Neil Gaiman's Stardust, fell in love with directing at that point, and kind of just went on from there doing writing, directing, writing, directing. Then after graduating college, we started to experiment with just doing weird things. Uh, Mm. So my best friend at the time, he and I created a theater company and we did a number of shows that were just uh, weirder in nature and, you know, doing things that other people we didn't see were doing in the Atlanta area. And we had one show that was focused entirely with a pool. It was mm. a, it was a three woman show and him as a cameo role. And it was all set in someone's backyard and it was like poolside to like some big resort was the setting. Mm. And so the set was basically the pool and like two lounge chairs. And that was, you know, so we were doing these things in weird places. We did one that was in someone's basement and, you know, we were just finding interesting ways to do things. And I think that's a lot of experience that I, I carry over is I want to tell these stories, you know, even as I change mediums and, you know, go into film here, how can I tell this story different than someone else who's been doing it? You know, what am I doing that another filmmaker might not do, uh, which I think is something, you know, everyone who creates wants to tell themselves as you're making something, what makes this the story that only you can tell in this way? Absolutely. I think that's a definitely a thing of creators, people who like to create things and, you know, writers, filmmakers all across the board. I think that that is definitely what people focus on, what they want to do, and they have their own vision. And that's what makes it so cool, too. You know, like we have so many amazing things in the world because people like you are creating things you know that's awesome <laughs> yeah and i think i think it's impossible to not become a better artist just with time and practice and you know yeah. doing the thing i think you have to just do it at a certain point to you know yep. really continue progressing and i i'm taking experiences both bad and good you know i had a bad experience mm-hmm. where i didn't know something was happening and mm. came at the cost of you know the of an actress you know something where she felt uncomfortable and I didn't know about that until later Mm. and it was one of those things like that should never have been a case where I didn't know that was happening and so you know going forward that became a bigger and more pressing issue for me you know I cut ties with that person responsible like this was not going to be a thing that flew and that you know it's a core part of when I give speeches at the beginning of you know shoots or of anything now it's if You know, there's a designated person. If it's not myself, there's a designated person. You come to this person. If anything happens, we deal with it. No questions asked. And, you know, that's why 
intimacy, you know, became such a huge thing when we were doing this project. Obviously, there was so much, you know, a lot of vulnerability that these people are going through. So it was mm-hmm. so important that we do that. So, I, you know, even taking something like that, which was, you know, a bad experience for, for you know, that individual who obviously mm-hmm. you know, was the victim of it, along with, you know, just us who, you know, didn't even know. And, you know, we're just yeah. kind of in the dark of it, which is a terrible place to be. And, yep. you know, so taking something like that and transforming it so that it, you know, is a good thing and it doesn't happen again to someone else is important too. So I, I just definitely encourage people to not only look at worked on your projects, but what are the things, the big pitfalls? Did you have mm-hmm. a big fight with someone? What was the cause of that? Was that something that could be avoided or changed so that, you know, whatever this blowout that you had with your actor doesn't happen again, you know? So I think that's an important thing for everyone. Just keep in mind, the bad is as important as the good as developing as an artist. Oh, absolutely. I think that's great advice. Absolutely. So in talking about images, you also do boudoir photography. Tell me about that. And how is that fun for you? Yeah, I, this is this weird kind of just side thing that I did that I've I started, I think, in college. I mean, I always enjoyed taking photos. And then in college, I took some photography classes and was really getting Mm. into it. And so I always kind of did portraits on the side. And I always kind of stuck with portraits. I never could get into landscapes, things like that. I was always fascinated Mm -hmm. by people and the shape of people. And a lot of the time, women, because most of my friends growing up forever have been women. So I got used to photographing women. (laughs) And So, so then in more recent years, I went to this like boudoir kind of like intro workshop thing where they would have a few models and a number of photographers and these women were organizing it and, you know, said, you don't have to have experience. I was like, yeah, maybe I'd like to try my hand at that. Did it, fell in love with it. And then, you know, those photos, most of them were terrible because obviously I had no knowledge of it, (laughs) but, um, but over time, you know, I've been very fortunate that others have reached out to me and I've reached out to others and I've been able to uh, keep doing this on the side. And this is mostly just a passion thing that I do uh, because yeah. it's enjoyable and it's it's a lot of fun when you see people get excited over themselves, you know, when they yes. look at something and they're like, wow, that's me. Like, I look good, you know, <laughs> like it's, and I don't know if maybe that's me projecting being like, you know, my own, you know, self, you know, body dysmorphia issues where I'm like, yeah, that must be nice. But uh, <laughs> I think I just there's a joy in seeing someone else celebrate themselves. And I yeah. don't think I've had anyone come away that is like, oh, I hate that. Because, you know, in the moment, it's so easy to be like, oh, you know, like people will say things like, oh, sorry, like I, I look dumb, like, oh, like my legs probably in a weird spot. And then, you know, the final product, once you let go of some of that, becomes this amazing thing where people look powerful and sexy and they look like they're having fun and they they just look Mm. themselves in this true form. And so I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to do that over these last few years and developing that skill. That sounds like fun. Like you're really celebrating that person and they're celebrating themselves or sexuality and projecting it out. And, And, you know, probably they are feeling it. So it comes across in their photos. I mean, that sounds pretty fun. Yeah. And it's one of those things that you got to just kind of dive into and you got to, you know, you loosen up and we always start, you know, no one, no one should start shooting, you know, the nude photos, like start with, you know, something and you work your way down and you, you know, go down in layers. So you have time to adjust Mm. and get used to what's happening. And of course, and obviously if you don't want to go, you know, fully nude, then, you know, you don't, you stop. 
but yep. you know, for those who, for those who do, I definitely say, you know, we start with, you know, like what's your most covered up outfit and we change pieces. Sometimes you change layers, you know, and then we're changing, you know, tops or whatever as part of it. You know, but then you work your way down and until you get to it. So hopefully by, you know, an hour and a half into your session, then you're ready to go. And you're like, okay, like, let's do this. Absolutely. And so, you know, and I didn't ask you this earlier, do you have, you have a website, right? That has cam girl on it. What is that website? It's iantrutt.com. Is dot that com. Right? Yeah. It's just my name. So I-A-N-T-R-U-T-T.com. And, uh, and that has cam girl info as well as links to cam girl merch to the actual webpage for the show, oh, uh, nice. things like that. And it's also got a number of other things on there. You can watch other things that we've done on YouTube. We did a Zoom play. So that mm-hmm. is available there as well. You can watch that for free very easily. You know, other podcast appearances, things like that. So, but that's the main hub. If you go there and you don't find something you're interested in, then you probably don't like me. And that's fine too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then on uh, your boudoir photography, the UFO account on Instagram. What what's the name of that one? At yeah, that is at Ian Trutt Photography. So ian.trutt.photography. And you can find that as well. If you find me anywhere, you'll be able to find the rest of me somewhere. So, oh, sure. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, but uh, in the Atlanta area at this current time. So that's where I'm shooting that as well. And if uh, anyone likes to do some boudoir, this is the time to do it because it's not my primary source of income. So I can afford to be cheap. <laughs> right. <laughs> nice little side business for sure. sure. So I'm going to delve into the fun stuff. Not that other stuff isn't fun. But <laughs> the we juicy stuff. About, yeah, the juicy stuff. Yeah, we, we talked so that for the audience, everybody can know that we did talk about this beforehand. I'm not putting them on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite sexual position? I actually like to ask that of all of a lot of my interviewees just because it's kind of fun to talk about do you have a favorite sometimes it's hard to pick i know but do you have a favorite one it is hard to pick i think i'm a doggy person i I think Mm -hmm. there's a lot of fun to be had there and just the the angle is good Mm -hmm. if you own mirror if you own mirrors that's a good position for you and your partner uh, yes. So I think that's a very fun one to to get involved in and probably one of my my go-tos. It's very, very common. And, you know, I, I interview a lot of people that obviously are erotica authors and, you know, sex coaches, people who are somehow related to sexuality. But I am amazed how many people pick doggy. It's just so true. <laughs> <laughs> it's extraordinarily common. <laughs> I'm not trying to do these weird yoga poses. I can't do those. I can't do them for regular yoga, much less with a partner trying to do other things. So that's And then trying to enjoy yourself. <laughs> Right, exactly. That that's a lot to focus on. <laughs> it is. It's almost kind of silly, really, right? <laughs> so what's your favorite kink? Do you have one? Oh, it's more a narrowing down of things. I am I don't know. I, I'm one of those people who will try most anything once. I put most as a caveat because there are definitely yeah. you know, some hard hard limits as anyone mm-hmm. has. But you know, I, I'm definitely kind of for things and you know most of my friends who know me know that I'm a very like sexual person and that mm-hmm. I 
I, you know, I definitely enjoy like exhibition and voyeurism are, you know, like a fun mm-hmm. factor, like who doesn't love, you know, that kind of thrill of seeing something or being seen for things. So I think that's a right. huge factor. And I think something that really drew me to like, you know, the, the cam modeling world, is, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. that, that is the big draw. It's, it's those things of, you know, watching someone, you know, do this. So I, I think mm-hmm. that was probably one of those kinks that contributed to my interest in this other thing that's like, wow, that's the entirety of what these people are doing. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> that's your interest. That's where you went and that's where you created your show. Makes sense to me. Sometimes kinks can take you to your art. So let that be that's a lesson. true. <laughs> I like that sentence. <laughs> That's a good sentence. So what's a kink that you have not yet done that you want to do? Oh. If you want to share. If you don't, I'm totally fine with that. It's not a you lack of wanting to want. share. It's more trying to figure out something that I want to do that I haven't mm. done already. <laughs> yeah. And to single that out and be like, it's this. Yeah, I get that. Haven't I done? Uh, very devious, but. I think a lot of things that I, you know, have been able to do are having a long-term partner, you know, with like trust and things like that. So obviously I've been able to explore a lot of things. You know, there's just like things that take a lot of trust. Like obviously like anything that's more, you know, physically aggressive is not something I would do with someone, you know, like sex on a first mm-hmm. date or something like that. But, you right. know, once you are with someone and, you know, have trust, like then, you know, you're into, you know, choking and then, you know, choking turns into CNC play and things right. like that over time. So, mm-hmm. so yep. I think just having that over time has really helped me explore some, some more of the, the darker side of things. Right. Well, that's great, though. I mean, it's good to be in that kind of a relationship where you can do that and you feel comfortable. That's what everybody strives for, right? Right, of course. So what advice do you give people who are looking to start into kink? Do you have it, you know, having taken your experience into account, other than obviously you just said having a trusting partner, what advice do you give people if you were to give them some that are starting down the track of, you know, down to the kinky world? Yeah, I think I think a you know having a partner you trust is important, even if they are also an experience. If you're trusting that person implicitly, then you guys can feel safe exploring. It's hard to enjoy yourself if you're not safe. So yeah, uh, you know having that level of trust will go a long way and be able to just explore and enjoy things. There's obviously a lot of resources that you can find too, Fet Life or you know a number of other places that will let you know about kink events happening in your area, you know, go to a munch, which is, you know, like kinky people just going to get a meal, like it's a vanilla scenario, Mm -hmm. you know, go and just talk to people. And, you know, if you are working through, you know, a a lot of people in the kink community also have traumas. If you have traumatic Mm -hmm. issues, you know, like also be sure you're addressing those, you know, make sure you're talking to your therapist about these things because you don't want to be triggered, you know, during one of these kind of things, you know, so yeah. you want to make sure that you're addressing everything and make sure that you're being safe, not just with your partner, but with yourself and that you're not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to the best that you can, you know, not putting yourself through undue stress if there's something you can do beforehand to, you know, kind of help yourself prepare for that. So I, you know, just safety, of course, is key to everything. Safety, safety, consent, 
you know, and take your time researching things, researching places. If you go somewhere, just, you know, just because a place serves to the clientele, you know, like if there's a sex club or something, it does not mean that place is safe. So, you know, do the work. And there's also even, even if it's not the place, even if that place is doing everything they can, they also, the people inside there, you know, you don't know who will be there and you don't know who's going to be a piece of shit. Like we've experienced mm-hmm. that. And I, ugh, it drives me to no end to like, like I, ugh, I get so angry. Just people who feel entitled to mm-hmm. do whatever they want with someone else's body that they think that they can do. That. And like, if I'm ever arrested, that's what it's for is for just mm-hmm. slapping the face off of someone who does that. So that's hundred yes. percent what I'm going to get arrested for one day. But um, you just have to, it's, it's a shame that people shouldn't have to worry about that. People shouldn't have no. to work to be aware at all times and, you know, you know, worrying about that happening, you know, and not being able to enjoy themselves and, and, but it's a sad nature of, you know, the, the world and people like that are out there. So if you're going somewhere, you know, go with friends, go with, yeah. take, take a big burly dude friend, you know, like you shouldn't <laughs> have to have that presence, but, but sometimes yeah. Hey, so if you've got a guy friend that you trust, you know, take mm-hmm. him with you too. Like, you know, and it's the sad nature of it, but it does go a long way. And people don't know, you know, that I'm a softy. But if you look at me sometimes, people are like, oh no, I'm not fucking with them. Like they've got that dude over there. So <laughs> sure, sure. But um, but yeah, so you know, put it putting on the front and it's a shame, but yeah, so just Make sure you're being safe and aware when you go places. Make sure that you're doing your research for educating yourself on subjects. You know, find things, find podcasts like this that are very, you know, useful and educational and, you know, and have your best interests, you know, look for YouTube things, like just find resources that can help you explore what you're looking for before you even get into it. So that when Mm -hmm. you do go to explore with, uh, you know, a partner that you trust, that you are ready to go and you have all the tools at your disposal because it's the the best way in the end to have a good experience. It's the way people talk about going on trips, like, you know, like you're supposed to like have, you know, someone who's been, uh, who's used that drug before to like guide you. Mm-hmm. Like it's, it's that same kind of language, you know, that you're like, have someone, you know, either who has that experience or that you just trust to, you know, be there with you and the tools yep. that you find are also, you know, that person to like let things guide you. So Consent, 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 safety, safety, safety. There you go. Great advice. Absolutely. Do you feel like your background in doing this personally really helped you? I mean, I would think it does, but I would love to hear you just talk about it briefly about how did that impact what you were writing? Did you feel like it really helped you? What would you say? Yeah, for sure. I think that, you know, having this affinity for this type of stuff, you know, like it really does put you in a better headspace. It puts me not as someone who's approaching it in the judgmental way, like having, mm-hmm. you know, kinks, having, you know, a sexual outlook on things. It started me in a better place than someone who, you know, might've been coming to this blind. Like if some, you know, Netflix exec came in and we're like, yeah, that could be a story. And, you know, they just drop someone in who doesn't know or care about this. <laughs> right. So I think that's, you know, why, you know, the best things are usually passion projects for someone. And so for me coming from this place where I'd seen things in, you know, in the communities, in the kink community and in just sexual context in general, where I'd seen things that had gone wrong, things that, uh, and then, you know, things that were very enjoyable 
Mm-hmm. And I've seen, you know, people both feel like pleasure and also just, you know, suffer at the hands of these things. And I think that dichotomy yeah. is, you know, something that led my brain to say, that really shouldn't be that way. And, you know, maybe yeah. you, like, let's address, you know, the good and the bad of of sex in general. Very awesome. This has been an amazing chat. I really, this has been enlightening. It's been fun. What is there's anything else you want to say or add that we have not touched on? Oh goodness. Uh yeah, go, you know, everyone, go, go have the sex you want to have. You know, life is short. You know, make sure you're doing it safely and you know that you're, you know, being aware and everything. But go do that thing that you've been curious about. You know, there's it's it amazes me sometimes people, you know, friends will say like, oh yeah, I always want to try that, but you know, whatever. And it's like, what do you mean? Like, you know, do it. Like you're <laughs> with like you're with this person that you trust, like bring it up to them. So so right. I think, you know, huge component of that is, you know, a lot of people who if you don't have a partner or people who do have a partner but just haven't, you know, been able to bring it up, bring it up. Talk to the talk to them. That's what they're for. If you know this is the person that you're spending, you know, a considerable amount of time with, you know, either you know, you've, you've locked it and you, you've gotten married and you're saying this is for life, or this is just someone that you've been seeing in all a while and that you trust, like, why not talk to the person, you know, do the things that you enjoy, do it safely, be, be good to other people, you know, but yeah, but have fun. This is your life. Have fun with it. Mm, I love that. Thank you for that advice. That's awesome. And I will put all your links down in the podcast notes so that people can easily access that. And it will be exciting to see the show go live. And I just want to thank you for sharing with me and teaching me about what you've done and screenwriting and all that fun stuff. I had a great time. So thank you so much for coming on my show. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, if anyone, you find me on my links, feel free to send me a message if you have more questions about anything. If you have more questions about sex work, how do I get into it? Like, is it safe? Uh, If you have questions about kink, like where can I find some of these things that you were talking about? Like open book and I'm more than happy to always answer a question that leads to someone being happier and safer. So thanks so much. Yes, that's awesome. Thank you. You have an amazing day. You too. Okay, bye-bye. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast episode. What an intriguing discussion I had with Ian. We went all over the place, including sex and juicy details about sex and sex life and kink. I hope that you follow my podcast and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Give me a rating and review. I would really love it if you did because it really helps me grow as a content creator, as a podcaster. and. You can find all my links down in the podcast notes. I'll put my link tree where you can find all of my new books that have been released. Magic and Her Kisses is in its first month of publication as an audiobook. I would love your opinion on that. I do have free copies of it on my free page on my Patreon. I'm adding all kinds of codes for free audiobooks on my free page on the Patreon, which means you have access to it, whether you subscribe to me or not. It's free, literally free review copies that Audible gives me to hand out. They are for the US and the UK, but from what I hear, you can actually change your region and still use the codes, even if you're on a different country. So it is possible to do. And again, get my book that's on sale right now for Black Friday. And it is Skinny Dipping at the Pond on a hot summer day, 99 cents. I also have a new sponsor, Fuck it. Coffee Company. I fucking love that name. It's so much fun. Having a bad day, just shitty things happening. Just say fuck it. 
and drink some fuck it coffee. <laughs> I fucking love that. So you can get 20% off. They have merchandise too. They have really great shirts and mugs and coffee cup koozies and just all these amazing things. And you can get 20% off. So I will attach that here so that you can get your 20% off. People who follow me and use my code get 20% off of whatever they buy. And I'm really excited to share that with you. And you can go shopping. You can get some fun. I mean, how fun is that? Someone opens up something, they're going to smile if they open it up and see a bag of coffee that says fuck it on it. I mean, hell yes, they are. Unless there's some kind of prudish person, maybe that won't be a good idea. But then you wouldn't get it for them anyways, right? (laughs) But someone who's going to appreciate it, you would get it for them and they would love it. And they can say fuck it. And it's not a swear word, right? Because it's P-H-U-C-K-I-T. That's P-H-U-C-K-I-T, coffee company. Oh, fuck yeah. It's a perfect phrase to go along with my podcast. I'm so excited they're my sponsors. All right. So I hope that you have an amazing day today. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving yesterday if you're in the U.S. And I'm so thankful for you. I really, really am. You're amazing. I love having you as a follower. Thank you so much. And I hope that you have a sexy fucking day. Love ya. Ready for some spring cleaning of your beard and groin hairs? Try out Manscaped products where you can get 20% off with my new code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to get 20% off and free shipping. In order to get the discount, use the promo code RUIN, R-U-A-N, to do that spring cleaning to get yourself ready for sexy times. Heat up your spring with a new shave, a new trim. Perhaps try going bare. Get more skin smacks in the bedroom, if you know what I mean.